2: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. What's
0: wrong with a simple command to, to turn stones into bread? Is it so sinful? I mean, a person starving to death, what's wrong with getting food when a person's starving to death? What did the Lord Jesus Christ do? He said, in Matthew 4, 2 through 4, he said said these words, he said, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What a statement. You know, I had a friend, Russian Jewish man, and uh, he said to me one time, he said, you know, in this country, he said, food is overrated. That's an interesting statement. Food is overrated. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying here? I'm starving, but you've just overrated food. Because the problem was that the Lord Jesus Christ had been led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God, and that means that it was the will of God for him to not have food. And he could have been provided with food, but he was not, and now it was the devil who was instructing him on how to get food. The Lord would have rather died than to take instructions from the devil. That was the problem. And so what the Lord was saying to the devil in his reply was, he was quoting from Deuteronomy, and now when we look at that verse in Deuteronomy, he's quoting from we can learn the full message of what he was saying, because in Deuteronomy 83, he was saying, and he humbled thee, speaking to the Jewish people, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know, that man doth not live by bread only, But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. See, the Lord was not looking at hunger as an, oh, no, this is a tragedy. This hunger has to be stopped at all costs. But by quoting from this last part in the verse in Deuteronomy, the Lord was saying, Do you know what it is? Do you know the value of hunger? He humbled thee with it. He humbled the Jewish people with hunger, He suffered them to hunger. He wanted them to be hungry. He was saying, hunger is a humbling experience. It's good to be humbled. And then he said, he fed thee with manna. He would rather be fed by God than, he would rather to be not fed or be fed by God than to be fed at all. See, there are always two possibilities when there's a need. See, the one possibility is for a person to not wait for God or not wait on God. God did feed him, but he had to wait on God to be fed. One possibility is for a person to not wait on God, not wait for God, but to take matters into his own hands. And we see this illustrated, this taking matters into his own hands. When we look at the life of Saul, you might return to, to this in 1 Samuel 13. In 1 Samuel 13, seven, Saul took matters into his own hands. And we see In this passage, why he did it and the consequences, what he did, why he did, what he did, and the consequences. So in 1 Samuel 13, 7, it says, And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal. And all the people followed him, trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time That Samuel had appointed, but Saul came not, Samuel, excuse me, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to him, that he might salute him, and Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept the, that which the Lord commanded thee. Serious passage. In this passage, Israel's leader Saul saw that he looked, oh, I have to say, saw he saw the Philistines were ready to destroy Israel. Saul knew that he needed two offerings. These two offerings had to be made to the God of Israel if he and Israel were not gonna be destroyed by the Philistines. And those offerings were the burn offering and the peace offering. But God had instituted that only, the, only, only Samuel, the prophet, was to make those sacrifices of the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Samuel had told Saul Seven days I'll be there. Seven days I'm gonna meet you in Gilgal and you be there, and then we'll make the sacrifices of the burnt and the peace offerings. I'll do it. But the problem was Samuel didn't come in the seven days. And Saul sees the Philistines getting ready to destroy. And Saul saw the people tremble. And Saul starts to see the people start to scatter away and from following him. So Saul decides I'm not gonna wait any longer. I'm not gonna wait any longer. I'm not gonna wait for Samuel. I'm not gonna wait for God to make those peace and burnt offerings. I'll just take matters into my own hands. And he took matters into his own hands, and he went ahead. He went ahead and offered those sacrifice himself. That's a perfect example of what happens when a person does not wait on God and instead takes matters into his own hands. I mean, first we look at the situation. We stand back, we look at the situation, and we see it was a temptation, yes, It was a temptation for Saul to not wait on God. It was a temptation for him to take matters into his own hands because he was looking at three situations that were a great pressure on Saul. First, Saul looked at the people who were following him and Saul saw how afraid they were. It says, as it said in verse seven, all the people followed him trembling. You know, such an army. And second, Saul looked at the people who had decided to not follow him anymore, and he saw them scattering away. He saw them leaving. And it says in verse 11, Saul said, because I saw the people were scattered from me. And third, Saul looked at the Philistines, and they weren't scattering away. They were assembling together, assembling their troops, getting ready to come down on him. Verse 11, because I saw that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. And when Saul saw that, he assumed what was gonna happen. He says in verse 12, therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal. And what's very significant in this passage is what Saul said was the basis for why he made the decision to not wait on God and take matters into his own hands. And it's all tied up in the word saw. See, verse 11, because I saw that the people were scattered from me. And then the next verse, that thou camest not within days appointed that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mikmash. See, that's the explanation for why he did not wait on God. He took matters in his own hands because he saw, he saw the people were scattered from him, which shows he had a weakness. He had a weakness that he felt he had to have people following him. Saul relied for his deliverance on man, on the people and Jeremiah warned against that. He said in Jeremiah 17, 5, Jeremiah said, Thus saith the Lord God, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. See, Saul was trusting in man, not in God, for his deliverance. So what that meant was that Saul was departing from God. Saul had made the arm of flesh his trust, not the arm of the Lord. And when Saul did that, he departed from God. And when it says that to trust in man is to depart from God, Saul's replacement, who was David, clarified further what it means to trust in man and depart from God. Because it was Saul's replacement, David said, in 2 Samuel 22, 22, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. See, departing from God is a wicked departure. It's a wicked thing to do. In the book of Hebrews, a heart that departs from God is called an evil heart. Which is why we're told to carefully look inside of our own hearts to make sure that we're not harboring that kind of heart. As so it says in Hebrews 3:12, take heed brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. To trust in man is to harbor this evil heart of unbelief, which is why Isaiah told us, he says in Isaiah 2.22, cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for when it, wherein is he to be counted of? See, Isaiah's when he says cease ye from man, he's saying stop already from trusting in man. Man is not trustworthy. As Saul's replacement, David, said in Psalm 62, 9, surely men of low degree, vanity. Men of high degree, a lie. To be laid in the balance, altogether lighter than vanity. Psalm 118, 8, for it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Psalm 189: it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Psalm 146.3, put not your trust in princes, nor in the son of man in whom there is no help. The hymn says, stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. See, Saul didn't believe what Saul's son, we just talked about Saul's replacement. Now we're gonna talk about Saul's son he has a son. His name is Jonathan. And, and Saul didn't believe what Saul's son Jonathan believed, which he spoke. Jonathan spoke in 1 Samuel 14:6, when he says, And Jonathan, that's Saul's son, said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over. This is two of them, by the way. Come and let us go over unto the garrison. That's more than two, by the way. <laughs> over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. See, what was astounding to us is that this is Saul's son, and he saw so clearly that God was not restrained by what his father called the people were scattered from me. And when Saul saw the people go away, Saul said, oh, no, this is a tragedy. See, Saul's view of God was that when God saw the people scatter away from Saul, Saul thought that God was going to say, oh, quick, Saul, go after the people. You know, don't let them go away from you. What's the matter with you? Don't you understand that I'm restrained? Unless you have a lot of people with you, quick, Saul, go gather them back. Say, no, don't go because, Saul, don't you understand I, as God, am limited, and I can't save you unless you've got a lot of people to support you. See, that's what, the, that's what, that's what Saul thought. Saul, Saul thought that God was saying, saying, you know, Saul, you're in a lot of trouble now because you've got all these people are going away from you. That was Saul's thinking way. And, and, and that kind of thinking way, that kind of thinking does not really believe in the power of God. It doesn't believe in the power of God to deliver. That kind of thinking is unbelief. That kind of thinking is the Hebrews 3.10, evil heart of unbelief. That thinking way is a 1 Samuel 2.22, wicked departure from God. That kind of thinking way is is what Isaiah 2.22 says, cease ye, stop already. It was that kind of thinking that caused God to say to Saul in this passage in 1 Samuel 13.13 that Saul, you did foolishly. It was that kind of thinking that caused Saul to lose the kingdom in 1 Samuel 13, 14, which we've been reading. It's that kind of thinking way that caused God to say in 1 Samuel 13, 14, that I'm done with you, Saul, that God was done with Saul as king, and God was going to search for a new king. It was that kind of thinking way that caused God to open up a requisition for a replacement for Saul with a job description that read with the words of uh, 1 Samuel 13, 14, new job opening. God is looking for a man after his own heart. That's how God's new job opening read. Searching for a man after God's own heart. And yet there was still time for Saul to keep his job. If he would just do one thing, repent. That's all he had to do. And God gave Saul a son named Jonathan who showed Saul what you got to do. He showed him the kind of thinking way that he needed to have. That it was his own son, which was to forget about all those people who have just left you. And, and just see them as the arm of flesh. All you got to do is treasure the arm of God. And that's all you need for deliverance, Saul. And Saul said that when I don't when I see Samuel come on the expected day, that drives me crazy. And, and so he took matters into his own hand. It stressed Saul out because Samuel didn't come at the expected time. Saul expected Samuel to come when he said he was gonna come. And so really Saul was giving God a time for, for him to work. And God didn't work at that time and that stressed Saul out. And so Saul says, I'm gonna take matters in my own hands. God was good to not have Samuel come on time because Saul had a problem, and that problem was P-R-I-D-E. And Saul had told everyone, you know what, everybody, don't worry. Seven days, Samuel's coming. We're gonna have burnt offerings and peace offerings. They're gonna be made. We're gonna prevail over the Philistines, seven days. And he knew what the people were thinking, People were thinking, well, King Saul, you asked us to have confidence in you, and you said that in seven days, Samuel the prophet's gonna come to make offerings. Well, you were wrong, because Samuel didn't come. Samuel's not coming and we're leaving. That was very humiliating for Saul. And God does things to humiliate us. God's good at that, he likes to do that, because he doesn't (laughs) like pride. Because humiliation is God's remedy for the disease of pride. And when Samuel did not come at the set time, that was humiliating for Saul. Saul had planned for Samuel to come at that time, Saul had told everybody Sam was gonna come at that time. And sometimes God does not work according to our timetable. And God may not work according to our timetable. We may think God is late, God's never late, He's never late. To wait on the Lord is to submit to work on God's timetable, not our own. To not wait on the Lord and take matters into our own hands is to work on our timetable. And then Saul saw the Philistines. They saw these gathering themselves together for the battle. And when Saul saw that, he saw the Philistines trusting in their own arm of flesh. And Saul did not see the arm of God. And Hezekiah was faced with a very similar situation when the Assyrians had amassed this great army, over 100,000, outside of the walls of Jerusalem, and they were planning to make the attack, and the people were trembling. And so what, what, what he did was, was what Saul did not do. Hezekiah addressed the people in 2 Chronicles 32.8, and he said to the people, With him is an arm of flesh. With us is the Lord our God to help, to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. See, what Hezekiah did was to emphasize the difference between two arms. Hezekiah, one of the people, he says, I want you to see two arms. There's an arm of flesh. That's the Assyrians out there. Hezekiah wanted the, the people, you look at all those greater than 100,000 men out there and say, that big army, weapons of slaughter, he says, just label them arm of flesh. That's all you gotta do, it's an arm of flesh. And Hezekiah wanted people to consider and say, the arm of the Lord is stronger. Hezekiah wanted the people to pray the, the, to God the, the, the words of Isaiah 51, nine. awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. I mean, I'd I, I love to see Bennett. Where are you? Bennett, are you here today? I don't know if it's Bennett. Bennett. Bennett McDonald, he comes to church with, with dear Muriel. Muriel? And, and Muriel is 93 years old, unless I've lost track. <laughs> I love to see Bennett bring her in because when he does, Bennett holds his arm straight like this, like a banister. <laughs> and, and Muriel takes hold of Bennett's arm and comes in. Muriel puts her confidence in Bennett's arm. Muriel leans on Bennett's arm. Sometimes it makes me worry, but he he hasn't dropped her yet. (laughs) Muriel walks with the assistance of Bennett's arm. And all of that is what the arm of the Lord is. Just like Muriel with Bennett, we put our confidence in the arm of the Lord. Just like Muriel with Bennett, we lean on the arm of the Lord. We walk in life with the assistance of the arm of the Lord. And then, and then Saul, he doesn't do that, and, but he talks about, he tries to justify taking matters into his own hands. And he says, I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. You know, whenever a person doesn't wait on God and takes matters into his own hands, it's not easy. It just doesn't feel right. It's, it's bothersome. And that's what he's saying here. Saul, he's saying, man, I feel like I'm caught here between a rock and a hard place. This is really tough for me. I, I, it's, it's really hard for me to make this decision just to wait on God or to take the bull by the horns. Yeah, you know? and, and, and you would have thought that Saul would have felt good about his decision. Finally, he's made a decision. Could have felt good about the action he took. He didn't. And Saul felt horrible afterwards because he knew that he should have waited for God. And even even as he was making the offerings, it wasn't easy for Saul. As he said, I forced myself, therefore. Why did he force himself? What was he forcing himself against? Because God was convicting his spirit as he was in the process of the actual sin. God was saying, don't do it, Saul. Don't do it, Saul. Here's some more shame for you. Here's some more guilt for you. Big dump truck of shame and guilt falls on Saul. But he pushes himself forward in the sin. And, and, and what was so hypocritical was that he was offering the offering for the whole burnt offering, which is the offering of dedication to God. So with, with the whole burnt offering, the person is saying to God that I am wholly dedicated to you to obey you, God. See, with the whole burnt offering, the person is saying, I, I am 100% surrendered to you to accept your will. See, by taking this place of the priest and making the offering, Saul was offering this offering of dedication, complete surrender, and he's showing in no way is he dedicated to God.
2: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, 330 Santee, California, 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God,